We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com. Here today with Bears insider Aaron Lemming talking about an 0-2 Bears team that was blown out in a pretty big way in Tampa Bay. How are you feeling today? Well, it's like deja vu. Third year in a row under John Fox, and they're 0-2. It's, it's, man, if you don't find a way to change uh, history and look back on it, then it's going to repeat itself, and it keeps doing it. Yeah, and it's a uh, second year in a row that they went into Tampa Bay. You know, last year they were coming off a victory in Minnesota. This year coming off a game in which they were five yards away from beating uh, the defending NFC champs, you know, had that momentum both seasons and just got really taken behind the woodshed. And, I, I you know, we can talk about Mike. We're, we're definitely going to talk about Mike Glennon, but I think there was a, a complete breakdown all around, I think, from the very start. Um and, you know, that's that started with Lennon, but I think that, you know, that kind of trickled through the offensive line, had one of its worst games. I think this was a really big overall kind of look at how bad this team actually can be, and they got worse because they're probably going to be without two of their starters, potentially one for the entire season. Nick Kwiatkowski has a, a peck injury, supposedly. That is a torn peck, and he, like Jarrell Freeman, will be out for the rest of the season. Uh, nothing official yet, though. Uh, from the Bears on Kwiatkowski, nor guard Josh Sitton, who left the game with rib uh, injury. And uh, we don't know the extent there, Suppose, you know, or we, we suppose that he's probably going to miss a few games at least. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to be. But another two starters go down. Uh, how does this get any better? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand how it seems like every season, man, every season they have these crazy injuries, and it's, 
it just, I mean, I you can't point to exactly what it is or who it is, but it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's just, it's one thing after another, and they're key starters. It's always, I mean, they, they start losing their receivers, and now they've lost two inside linebackers with the same injury. Willie Young was asked about it, I think, yesterday or today, and he's like, I, I don't know, I've never even seen that happen before. So it's like, I, they either have really, really bad luck, or there's something behind the scenes that we, we just, we don't know about in terms of, you know, I, I know conditioning coach with them over and uh, you know i don't have anything really to back this up by because i need to go back and look at the years prior to that but it seems like the bears have just had massive massive injuries uh and, and you know just overall i, I think the coach fox, john fox as a whole i, I just think there's man there's so many issues here right now and it's it's hard it's tough because you go from being optimistic we won i mean this is a team that was five yards away from winning the game against the Atlanta Falcons, who just got them blowing out, out the Green Bay Packers. But then somehow the Bears come out and just lay a complete egg. And I think a lot of it has to do with coaching. I think I, the, my main takeaway outside of Glennon, I think, was just how poor this team was coming in and the fact that they just can't seem to overcome any sort of adversity whatsoever. Yeah, the injury situation, it's a recurring nightmare for Bears fans. And this year, it's just, I mean, it's it's gotten out of control uh, before we've even started week, uh, you know, before three games. I mean, all, through two games, we're to, we were just discussing it before we, we went on air. There's currently seven Bears on IR, but that doesn't include five guys uh, who were uh, waived with injury settlements who were placed on IR at one point. There's 12, and now we have two guys in Kwiatkowski who is likely to go on IR and sit in potentially. You know, there's two more. So there's 13, possibly 14. And remember last year... Uh, week, you know, it was around week 16, uh, week 17 when we were uh, going crazy because the Bears had 19 players on IR at the time, uh, which led the league. And now we're talking, I mean, officially only seven right now, but potentially overall 13 probably looking at right now. I mean, I, this is the third year in a row where this has happened, and I, I don't I don't know what the difference is. The Bears, Bears try to make changes to their schedule this year for this specific reason to avoid these injuries. I you know I, I don't know if it, if it's a conditioning thing I don't know if it's a training staff uh, problem like you said I just I, I don't know what the answer is anymore but man it's 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 no surprise on any given play to see a Bears player laying on the ground right afterward and I, I you know and it's like you said it's like the the biggest players are the ones who keep going down and the Bears have lost two of their best inside linebackers their receiving core has been decimated Kyle Long didn't even make the trip to Tampa Bay. So there's an issue we haven't even discussed. And now there's a possibility that they're going to miss time with Josh Sitton as well. So, uh, you know, you look back at the game um, as well, and this is just from memory, but uh, Kendall Wright uh, was getting looked at for his hand and then dropped two passes uh, not too long after that. I know that Cody Whitehair was down for a little while, or at least was getting looked at by the trainers. And Akeem Hicks was down and went out for at least one play. So, I mean, those guys uh, ended up finishing the game. But uh, Bears are, you know, man, every single play is just, you know, you're holding your breath, hoping that somebody doesn't go down. And we haven't even talked about Jordan Howard yet. Who, well, and he, and he got uh, Kyle Fuller was another one that went out, too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, no, I know. You can't even keep track of them. It's it's insane. So I don't know how. I mean, when they were uh, healthy last week, they looked all right. They, they You know, the guys started going down. 
they looked a lot worse and now more guys are down i don't i just don't know i i don't what what is the before we before we get into the specifics of the game what are, what what's your best what's your best positive spin you can put on this i don't know that there is one i re- i really don't i mean this is you talk about building towards a positive with which what they did in week 1 versus this and it's like like I said, I mean, they came out completely unprepared. I mean, the score is going to look 29-7, to 7, but we all watched the game. We all know how it really went. I mean, it could have been a lot worse than 29-7 to 7 and really could have been 29-0. to 0. I mean, the Bears were really close to getting shot out, and it took uh, Mike Glennon three shots at the end zone in garbage time in order to get a touchdown. I mean, there's just – there's not really much of a positive spin that you're able to put on this because nobody played well. Yeah, and it, it – it starts with Glennon, so let's let's go there. But um, he won't be; he's not the only one. There were other, but I, you know, Lenny came out first three drives. He turned the ball over <clears throat> all three drives, and in in between those three drives, Tariq Cohen fumbled a punt, which basically gave you four turnovers uh, and a twenty three zero deficit. Almost you know before most Bears fans had even caught a buzz. So yeah, I. They're not a team built to overcome that type of deficit, and we're twenty six nothing at halftime. And like you said, they they just had nothing. I mean, other than those uh, turnovers, the drive chart, um, you know, you had the interception, the fumble, interception. Then you had three straight punts and two turnovers on down. So it wasn't like things got any better after that. And, and like you pointed out, that the touchdown, that the only thing the only thing that salvaged uh the game and, and avoided a shutout came with 143 left in the game and like you said it took uh Lennon three tries i mean he had three he, he had to get down there three times to actually get the ball in the end zone so first inter, uh interception uh, really it was probably the worst one it was probably the worst uh, of the turnovers because uh, he had moved Lennon was moving the ball i mean the bears that was an 11 play drive they had moved 53 yards they had uh had four first downs on that play and we're at the Tampa Bay 22 yard line and then he just I mean he looked sharp he was uh, he looked in rhythm he was hitting the open guy right away um, hitting the guy on target and then just throws a garbage pass uh, to Deion Sims it was early Sims wasn't ready for it Uh, Quan Alexander was he saw it the entire way uh, and it was an easy interception and what makes it most disappointing, or even more disappointing, is that Adam Shaheen was running wide open in the flat, uh, just over to the uh, you know maybe you know seven yards to to the right of Sim. So if if Lennon just takes a step back, doesn't try to force that ball into triple coverage, and goes to his second read, that gives that Shaheen wide open around the twelve yard line with nobody around him. That's a potential touchdown. Instead, it's a turnover, and things just went spiraling downhill after that i mean uh, were you surprised at all that he the way that he looked up until that point were you surprised that he, he threw such a uh, ill-advised pass at such an important time i i don't know if i was surprised but i was definitely disappointed i mean this is this is a drive that looked really good uh the bears defense basically did the same thing they did the first game they they gave up a lot of yards and they stopped them at a field goal and Bears had a really good opportunity to get on the board and probably score seven points. And But it goes back to what we are talking about last week, and this is my main issue with Glennon and his decision-making, is the fact that he it's like he has these predetermined reads before he's even coming out of the huddle, and that's the issue there. Is he threw in the triple coverage. I mean, there's just no other way around. He threw in the triple coverage, 
and he threw it behind Deion Sims. So not only was the decision bad, the ball placement was bad. And like you said, I mean, Adam Shaheen's sitting there in the flat, wide open. And, I mean, even if he does what he's been doing with his whole baby deer thing where he catches the ball and falls, he's probably still going to pick up seven or eight yards. So, and, and that's my that's my biggest issue right now is that he has other opportunities around the field and he's not going through his progression. And it's like if he goes through his progressions, he freaks out. And I don't know what it is. I mean, we saw it, and I'm sure we'll get to more of it. But, I mean, on this particular play, we're talking about triple coverage. We're talking about a ball thrown behind a guy, and we're talking about another guy that, like you said, seven yards away from him that was wide open. And, I mean, that, those are just the kind of decisions to me tells me that either, A, Mike Glennon is not mentally capable of running an NFL offense and actually going through his progressions, or, B, he's still not comfortable. Yeah, and I think it, you bring up a good point about the reads. He he is he's constantly staring guys down, and we we saw that uh, in training camp. We saw it in, during the preseason, especially that was when we really got their first look. And and it's it has continued. Rarely does he get to that second read, and you point out like he does kind of uh, freak out a little bit when he does have to work through those progressions. We saw especially late in the game when he did, was forced to work to the second or third guy that throw to the second or third guy was usually off balance and and right at the guy's uh feet you know if if uh you know, completion percentage was based on pass stipped to receivers Glennon would have been you know at about 90 percent last week so i uh, you're right i i don't know what you can do with a guy when he's only when he's completely reliant on that first read and you know, he like you said, he was gonna throw to he was throwing to Deion Sims no matter what on that play. He wasn't looking anywhere else. It was a predetermined read, uh, or not even a read. It was just a predetermined pass, and there was no read. If he would have given that play a read, he would have realized Sims wasn't ready for the ball. Alexander was right there, and if that pass isn't perfect, there were two other guys right there ready to make a play as well. Uh, and like I said, Shaheen was just wandering around, like uh, you know, just waiting for his first touchdown. So. Let's move on. Let's move on to his second drive. And that is, uh, you know, the offensive line didn't look great yesterday. And I'm a little concerned about Bobby Massey. I think he looks even worse than he did last season. Charles Leno not impressing me very well. They only did give up one sack, but there were a lot of pressures. And the, the, the second turnover was the result of uh, pressure given up, I believe, by Massey off the right side. Uh, Glennon saw it coming and you know, in his statuesque style, had no answer for it. Uh, couldn't step into the pocket. Couldn't make a move to avoid the rush. And as he kind of cocked his arm, uh, the ball came flying out, and the and the the Buccaneers recovered. I think, and that's another situation where we talked about last week. Uh, you know, even though he had he he did look good at times in that in that Falcons game, we talked about his lack of mobility. We've discussed this for a while now. And how that, you know, he's unable to extend plays. And not only that, he's unable to just shuffle in the pocket and move around and, and give himself an extra second or two. He doesn't, you know, I'm not talking about getting outside of the pocket, running for an extra seven seconds and, and you know, going through the scramble drill. I'm just talking about giving your, avoiding that first guy, stepping up, making one move in one direction, and giving yourself an extra second to actually complete that pass. And he, he really can't even accomplish that. And you know, when he, with the guys coming in on him, that's it. I mean, it's over. And you, and and you know, in the, in that situation uh, for the second turnover, he lost the football, crossed the Bears, the uh, an opportunity. That was another drive that wasn't going horribly before he decided to, to put the ball on the ground. No, I, I think it, it's it's tough because the offensive line hasn't looked particularly good, but at the same time, 
it's really hard to protect a statue that can't move around in the pocket. I mean, that's really and that's really what Glennon is. And I think what bothers me most about his pocket presence, outside of the fact that he seems to panic almost every other play, is that he has no spatial awareness. He has no feeling for pressure. He has none of that. So, I mean, how many times have we seen where the pocket's collapsing around him and whatever offensive lineman's got his guy and the defensive lineman reaches around the offensive lineman and grabs him by the you know the back of the jersey, the jersey, and starts to pull him down? It's like, that's inexcusable. I mean, especially step up in the pocket, dude. It's not it, – this isn't rocket science. I mean, if you're an NFL quarterback, you should be able to do that. And I think there's just so many things working against him right now. And we can go back to it last year, and we can go back to it all the other years with Jay Cutler about one of his biggest issues outside of throwing interceptions was taking sacks and fumbling the ball. And here we go with Glennon. And it's like – and I think the thing that bothered me most about all this, though, out of every single turnover that he had is John Fox excused every single one of them and found a way to blame him on somebody else. What is that about? Well, you know, I think John Fox knows that uh, at least for one more week, Mike Glennon is their their quarterback. I mean, they've already said that that's going to be the case, and so you know, if you if you're going to make that decision, then yeah, you got to start making excuses for him because he did look like uh, you know a backup quarterback who was overmatched out there. He can't come out and say that, so I, I do understand Fox uh, making a few excuses, and uh, one of his excuses was valid in the in the fact that there were six drops by the wide receivers, but I. I Correct me if I'm wrong. Most of those were in the second half, and the game was well out of hand. Correct? Well, and that's the thing. Context is needed when John Fox says stupid things. Yes, there was six drops, but the problem is five of them came in the second half of the game. Four of those came in the fourth quarter. That's the thing: is the game was twenty-nine and nothing when four of these drops happened. But we're going to blame that on drops. We're not going to. We're not going to talk about the fact that your quarterback single-handedly, outside of the the one interception that, or the, sorry, the one one turnover that Tree Cohen had. We'll get to that. But the quarterback, I'd say 95% of the reason that the Bears were down as much as they were is because of Mike Glennon's decision-making and his inability to do anything except check the ball down 5 or 10 yards. Yeah, and you know, and you mentioned the excuses that Fox has made. That applies to the uh, third drive that uh, the Bears offense had, and which resulted in another interception, this time a pick six. And John Fox said that the, it wasn't a very good route by Josh Bellamy. Whether or not that I haven't had a chance to go look at the tape tomorrow, I'll, I'll look at the tape. But uh, whether or not that's true, uh, that looked again like another situation where Glennon was going to Bellamy no matter what. That pass was going to be thrown to the to that side of the field, and uh, that you know defender was easy right there and made the easy interception. I mean that that pass was right to the defender. So uh, another. Uh, like I said, another very poor decision. And, you know, the next thing you knew, the Bears were down 23 nothing, went into the half 26 nothing, And, uh, you know, I, I, we're not going to spend this whole, whole podcast piling on Mike Glenn. And, and, you know, we said last week that there was no QB controversy. You and I both agreed about that. Um, John Fox would only give Mike Glennon a vote of confidence for Pittsburgh. He said Mike Glennon is the starter for Pittsburgh. He didn't say Mike Glennon is the starter beyond Pittsburgh. Do you think? What well, I guess? When do you think it, Trubisky becomes a starter? How quickly? I think it's week five, and I think it's week five for this reason. This reason only because the Bears play the Steelers on Sunday, and then they turn around and they have what a four-day period, and then they play the Packers on Thursday Night Football. So, 
in in Green Bay. Terrible, terrible situation. And you know, but the bad thing is, it wouldn't honestly, it wouldn't surprise me just with the way John Fox has handled this situation. It wouldn't surprise me if Glennon has another bad game. He's oh, we're just going to march him out on four days' notice and call it a day. But logically speaking, I, I think the Vikings game makes complete sense because you're going to have about a what 11 day period between Thursday and the next Monday because that'll be a Monday night game to where you will be able to have Trubisky come in, take all the snaps that he needs to prepare with the first team and go out there and give it a shot. I mean, that's that's just my gut feeling, but it's John Fox you're talking about, so logically it's probably going to make no sense what he actually does. <laughs> no, and I think your scenario does make a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, we talked about it before. Mike, let you paid him enough money, at least let him earn a little bit of it and uh, take his lumps through these first four weeks. If they're not going to win, don't let it be Trubisky who's out there getting murdered every week. At least let it be Mike Glennon, uh, you know, a guy who's not your future. And, uh, you know, if, the, if they're not going to win games, let him be the scapegoat. And, you know, these are tough teams at the – I mean, we talked about the schedule. We knew these weren't going to be easy contests. I don't think – I mean, you and I, you and I both <laughs> predicted the Bears to win – uh, last week's, which is kind of laughable, you know. But these these are these are are not easy teams that they're playing, and they're and they're potentially playing two even tougher teams than what they played last week coming up. So um, yeah, let Glenn. I think you're right. Let Glennie go out there, you know, get beat up a little bit. If they're going to go own four, let it be under Mike Glennon. And like you said, then they have that 11 day period or whatever it is to get Trubisky ready for the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, the Vikings don't look like world beaters either. You know, this entire NFC North doesn't look great up in, up to this point. So, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of hope that maybe down the line Trubisky can, uh, you know, maybe give him a little bit of a chance. But, I, yeah, I don't uh, – I think right now we, we have two more games of, of Mike Glennon at least. If he plays well, maybe he'll earn himself another start. But I think you're right. If those two games look as bad as they did this past week, uh, that's going to be it for number eight. Uh, one – you know, the one play that was also just as as impactful in that in that contest was Tariq Cohen's uh, fumble punt, which was, you know, I, I don't know that was that was one of the dumbest plays I've seen in a long time. Uh, I, I don't know if he thought maybe a Tampa Bay player had touched the football. And for those that don't know, in that scenario, if an, if a, a player on the kicking team has touched it, you can. Uh, grab the football then without risk of fumbling it. Even if you fumble it, you're going to get the ball back. Um, but, so maybe he thought, but you know, he didn't say that. He, he, he after the game, he said that wasn't the case. He just made a stupid decision, and uh, you know, with three guys around him, you know, I, I saw what he was trying to do. Like he saw those guys both get up around, you know, to, to up near his side, and he thought, man, if I snatch this ball and go, I'm going to leave all three of these guys in my dust. And as soon as he touched the ball, bam, two guys hit him. Ball was on the ground almost immediately, and and. Uh, uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay was able to capitalize with the, with the score to Mike Evans on the on the following play. So uh, you know, I think that along, I mean, obviously along with the three Glennon turnovers, those four turnovers, what what team in the NFL can overcome that? I mean, uh, now looking at Tariq Cohen, <clears throat> I think it was interesting that he you know did have a decent game after that, but. How does he? How do you move forward with him? I mean, how do you, how do you see him recovering from this? And how do you see the Bears using him? Because it looked like Tampa Bay had a good plan for him. And Levante David, uh, a quick linebacker, two hundred thirty three pound linebacker, was all over the place, uh, matching up with Cohen. Is it po- is it possible if you have? a quick linebacker that you can keep Cohen under wraps. I mean, he did have eight catches, but 
uh, you know, he didn't have the type of game they had in week one. I think a lot of it is is play calling and play design, and and I think the the whole you know throw it to him on a, on a, a bubble screen or you know toss it to him outside and he's going to make something out of it. I think those days are going to come to an end until the Bears offense can make teams be honest again. And you know it, he's not going to have a ton of success if they're stacking eight or nine guys in the box because their quarterback can't throw the ball past ten yards. So I, I definitely think that's part of it. But like I said, I think a lot of it is the play design. And I, and I think because when we saw him do well was when he lined up in the, in the slot. I mean, I think he, I think the Bears' best option of using him is going to be exactly like Tariq Hill. Uh, I, I, I really think that he's that kind of guy. He's a little smaller, but I think uh, as far as on punt returns, he made a dumb mistake. I mean, there's really no way around that. But to a certain extent, it is somewhat, I wouldn't say excusable, but I guess say understandable considering he's a rookie. If it happens again, there's obviously a bigger issue. But I think when you look at how they're using him within the offense, I mean, he's not a guy that's going to carry the ball 15, 20 times a game. Uh, I do think they could get a little bit more creative uh, on how they're using him as a running back. I also think that he needs to start using better vision because, you know, the whole, like I said, the whole stretching it to the outside on the toss and then magically trying to find five or six yards ain't going to work for too much longer. It really didn't work against Tampa Bay, so I think he's actually going to have to start using vision. Uh, but like I said, I think his, especially in the passing game, his his best value is going to be out of the slot. And I think you know whether that be running slants or doing you know doing short stuff over the middle or you know running in deep. But right now it, the the offense is very limited because of the quarterback play and because of the the lack of receivers so i mean really there's there's not going to be one defense in the nfl that's going to respect this passing game that's not just because of mike glennon i mean even if trubisky gets in there he's going to have to prove it and i think that's a combination i think a big combination of glennon but i think it's also a combination of the fact that they have dudes starting at receiver right now that you know some of these guys didn't even make other teams i mean that's that's kind of where it's at right now so i think uh it's they're they're gonna have to start getting more creative and I'll be completely honest I was very disappointed uh, in how Dowell Loggins really called the game as a whole I mean I understand that they were down but there's just no creativity and the other thing that bothered me was why is John Fox punting on a fourth and two right before the half I don't you're asking me I don't have answers <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking half the time honestly um, I I just I feel like the I, feel, I obviously the Bears played a very bad game, and uh, a lot of players made mistakes. But outside of Glennon, I, I feel like the coaching staff was really a big issue. I, I really feel that the, it's, from a head coaching standpoint, I felt like they were unprepared, and I felt like with Dow Loggins, I, I just he, he it seems like he gets when he gets pigeonholed into something or he feels like he gets pigeonholed into something, then they just keep going in the past or they, they don't get as creative. I understand that they're down, so they're going to throw the ball a lot. I get that, but I don't see much creativity with that. And it's starting to get a little concerning because this is somebody who's going into a second year that should be making adjustments. And I don't see that happening. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's difficult when you're, uh, uh, 
run game only averaged 1.3 yards per carry, ran 16 times for 20 yards. I mean, Jordan Howard ran nine times for seven yards, averaged less than a yard per carry. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Just a putrid game in terms of the rushing attack made, you know, and, and then you get down right away. So, you, you know, you don't have an opportunity to, to continue to run the ball and, and maybe potentially eventually establish that rushing attack. You, you, you end up passing the ball 45 times. And you know that's just a recipe we've seen a million times. And like you pointed out, there's no there aren't any playmakers. So uh, you know if you're forced to if you can't run the ball, and like you said, Mike Lennon won't throw it deep. So if you can't run the ball because of that, defense are, are, are stuffing the foot are, are st- stacking the box. You don't have guys who can win one on one on the outside. I I just don't know what what the solution is on offense, and I don't necessarily think it's a creativity thing on Dow Loggins' part. I mean, I mean, I, it is because he's just he's going to have to you know be a magician here to figure out something here going forward, especially if Jordan Howard, you know, Jordan Howard said today his his shoulder injury isn't a big deal, but if it is. You know, there's your best weapon who's probably going to be banged up for most of the season trying to uh, to, to nurse that shoulder injury for a guy who plays with that uh, that that bruising style, that's that's a, the type of injury that can limit him from, for sure. So, uh, Tariq Cohen led the team with eight catches, 55 yards. It was good to see Kendall Wright uh, get in the game. He led the team in targets with 10, ended up with seven catches for 69 yards. I mean, I think he's kind of the guy. Zach Miller also had nine targets. Those are really your be- your three best options in the passing attack. I mean, it's not great. Uh, but Deion Sims is only targeted once. It doesn't look like they really have any intention of using him uh, in the passing attack. He appears he's just going to be in that uh, blocking role. Uh, Tanner Gentry finally got his uh, his first uh, NFL experience, caught two passes for 27 yards. Josh Bellamy at times looked great, four catches for 51 yards, but again, you know, had had a. You know his typical drop at the at the worst time when it you know always in the end zone is when he when he makes his drops, and then Deontay Thompson four catches fifty seven yards. He was the only one who uh, scored. Caught that late late fourteen yarder on it. You know, I'll admit it was a beautiful pass by Mike Glennon over the top to Thompson. But uh, yeah, that the, the 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 entire passing attack is it's in trouble. And, and, and it, especially if Jordan Howard's hurt, then the rushing attack is in trouble. I think the only thing that's going to save this offense right now, or at least give fans or anybody hope, is the getting Trubisky out there. I think you're right. Probably week five we're going to see him. So anything else you want to say about the offense before we move on to the defense? No, I, I, I agree. I mean, they're they're in some trouble. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how – I guess this is a decent time to bring this up. Bug Howard uh, – one of Trubisky's uh, top targets last year at UNC came in for a tryout today. Uh, that was I was told that yesterday, and talked to talked to that same person today, and basically said he had a had a good tryout. I think it's for more of the practice squad than it would be for the the 53 man roster. But it sounds like they're not going to make a decision on receiver at least until the end of the week, if not next week. But it sounds like he could be on his way to at least a practice squad, which would be interesting. I mean, he's 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 not very fast. Uh, he's a big physical dude. He's about 6'4", about 230. Um, but he's a decent route runner, and he can catch the ball really well. So I think it's just more of a familiarity standpoint with Trubisky if they tr- decide to make that move. But it is something worth monitoring. Sure. Bears brought up actually a bunch of guys um, today at four tryouts uh, just to kind of fill up. They're going to have to fill up some roster spots here. So. Uh, yeah, maybe Howard is that guy who uh, you know obviously has that experience with Trubisky. If Trubisky ever gets out there, who knows? Uh, let's move on to the defense, and uh, this is a unit that I thought 
you know, there were some issues, but the main thing, I mean, they didn't play horribly, but they were put in horrible positions because of the turnovers, and then, man, did they get worn down in the second half. I mean, I've seen the Bears over the last few years when these offenses haven't clicked. I've seen Bears defenses get worn down, but I think because of the heat down there in Tampa Bay, I don't think I've ever seen a Bears defense just as jassed as they were. I mean, when Peyton Barber comes in in the fourth quarter and is just <laughs> running guys over, I mean, he looked like the next time on a Walter Payton out there. I mean, it was it was amazing. I mean, that's how jassed that defense was. Uh, you know, it it it, it doesn't. It, there's no. They really have no chance in, in that uh, in that scenario. So. Uh, any highlights from the defense that you that stood out to you, uh, just off the top of your head? Well, I hate to be a downer, but Nick Kwiatkowski in the first drive had four tackles, and he's flying all over the field. I mean, that was – I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, they may actually – you know, this this may actually not be much of a downgrade at all. And I think he was kind of the one that stuck out. Uh, I think the secondary played okay. I'm still a little confused on why Fangio consistently has him in off coverage. I, I, I don't understand what why they need such a big cushion. Um, <clears throat> I don't think any of their defensive backs played particularly bad. I think really, I mean, like you said, I mean, it was what it was ninety some odd degrees and seventy percent humidity, and the defense is out on the field way too much and. I, I think the the biggest thing that stood out to me these these first two games uh, negatively that I think if they can fix that like well, there's two things if they can fix these two things I think they're going to be okay. One is man they've got to get off the field if they're down. I mean these 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 key holding penalties when they make a big stop are killer and and I understand I mean they're worn down. It's hard to really judge this defense off of what happened. And I think secondly. They've got to find a way to get a consistent pass rush. I don't know what's going on right now, especially with Leonard Floyd. He's been really non-existent outside of a few pressures. Uh, I mean, they've got to figure out a way. I mean, Bullard really hasn't done much. Roy Robertson-Harris has, has flashed at times. I think Mitch Unrein's actually played the run pretty well, but I think overall, I mean, they, they, they've got to figure something out. I mean, they, they really have to get some sort of pass rush because their defensive backs and now their linebackers are nowhere near good enough to be hung out to dry like that on a, on a consistent basis. Yeah, and I, the guy, you mentioned a couple of guys there, especially Jonathan Bullard, who anybody who's listened to our podcast knows how high I was on him during training camp. I still think uh, that he has the potential, but, man, has he just disappeared? And you mentioned Leonard Floyd. What is going on? That was another guy who I thought was really poised to take another step, and he's he, they don't even need to double-team him. I mean, they just put one guy on him. And he, he's done. I mean, as soon as he get locks, he gets locked up. He can't get off a block. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, the, the uh, Pernell McPhee looks slow. Uh, Akeem Hicks couldn't. We talked about that matchup last week. Jr. Sweezy, Jr. Sweezy is who you have to beat. Who hasn't played since 2015? And Akeem Hicks is just basically shut out throughout the game. So, I yeah, the 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 lack of pass rushes is, is really really concerning because, like you said, on third down. Uh, Jameis Winston just had his way. I mean, he he never had a guy in his face and was able to just scan the field and find the open guy. And I don't, you know, that's not really fair to the secondary. I don't think in, the, I don't think either Kyle Fuller nor Marcus Cooper look good in uh, man coverage. I I don't think in one on one situations they look great at all. Uh, but you know, it wasn't like Winston was being pressured. So you know, a good quarterback. Winston's a good quarterback. He put the ball in in harm's way a few times and and. 
you know, you expect that from him, but I mean, you do also expect him to to find the open guy when there is no pass rush, and that's pretty much what pretty much what happened uh, throughout the game, at least when when the plays counted. So uh, yeah, I don't know what they're. I mean, guys just got to start winning one on one battles. I don't. I don't know how much this is on Vic Fangio or what he, you know, else he can do. You know, I know he's not a heavy blitzing type of uh, defensive coordinator. I think it's really just comes down to guys like Floyd, uh, guys like Hicks, uh, you know, Willie Young finally got a sack, uh, but you know, wasn't a really impressive sack. Eddie Goldman got a good sack. I mean, but yeah, none of these guys are doing it consistently. And you know, James James Winston, when he needed to make a play, nobody was in his face, and that 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 was kind of the same way as with Matt Ryan last week. So it's concerning for two straight weeks that. What you thought was going to be a potential strength for the defense is now uh, turning out to be a weakness and is really hurting the team. And, you know, uh, there's not enough talent in the secondary. We all know that. There's not enough talent in the secondary to, uh, you know, give the quarterback five, six seconds every time he drops back, particularly in third down situations, which is a great call by you. So um, I thought that, you know, one of the, one of the uh, better players for in the game, Eddie Jackson, looked really good. I thought he looked good in the box. Uh, as well as uh, uh, in coverage, and I thought Eddie Goldman had a really strong game as well. But other than that, you know, you mentioned earlier, those two holding calls by Danny Trevathan were just killers. Those were two times the Bears would have been able to get off the field. And, you know, that's a veteran coming out there. You know, he's a guy that got to lean on even more now with Kwiatkowski out. And to make those stupid mistakes, man, it's just, it's like the Bears... uh, that first half, has there been a, I know that we've had some really, really horrible first halves, but they kind of did it all in that first half, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and that's that's what concerns me, is that this is a third year and you're supposedly having more and more talent every year, which I firmly believe that they do. I firmly believe that they have the talent to go 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. I still believe that. I, I, I feel that they have more talent than they had than they've had in years past but the fact that john fox is consistently fielding teams that one cannot win in february in september to save their lives i don't know why that is and two to to have these games these consistent you know these these random games you know but it's consistently happening each year to where it's like they take a huge step back and it's like like i said i mean this has followed a script if you look at the the last two years while all three years of john fox they come out they hang really well in week one. Everybody's kind of positive, and I fell in the same trap every year, including this year. And then they come out in, in week two and just lay an egg. And, I mean, if things follow the way they you know they have the last two years, which I wouldn't doubt against the Steelers, they're probably going to look really bad again next week because that's just how they do things. And it just – I don't understand. It seems like this, this, this thing under John Fox has just turned into a broken record. And I understand that there's things out of his control – I'm not saying this is all his fault, but it's very frustrating, especially as a fan, to sit here and and have some sort of optimism. I didn't expect them to make the playoffs, but I also didn't expect them to be within five yards of winning the game against Atlanta, who you know was in the Super Bowl a few months ago. And then all of a sudden, they come out and they just get, I mean, for the second year in a row, they get blown out and just completely embarrassed by you know by by the buccaneers i just i, I don't understand why this keeps happening well it, i don't have a whole lot of answers for you i really wish i did and i you know i, I think 
when you try and get answers from John Fox, he blows a lot of smoke. So I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do about this. I, you know, especially as these injuries continue to pile up, it's hard to be optimistic that things are going to get any better. Um, I think really the only, <clears throat> the only, just a couple of reasons to to be optimistic. One is. Once you get past this first, like, just get the playoffs out of your mind. I mean, twit, twit, get those expectations out of your heads so that, you know, you're not disappointed when that doesn't happen because it's not going to happen. So then move forward with the expectation that you're probably going to go 0-4, 0-5 to start the season. But then things get a little easier in the second half. And if they do decide to go to Trubisky, I think that's an opportunity for, uh, you know, him to energize not only the fan base, but also the team, make those games uh competitive in the second half of the season make it good fun football to watch because really it wasn't fun football to watch last year a lot I mean I had to sit through every single game because it's my job but I know a lot of diehard Bears fans who gave up watching football last year because they just couldn't handle it anymore and last week was just one more of those games just another of the same and if that continues uh, you know that's not going to give anybody any reason to watch a game unless you get the rookie out there. So I, I do think that that's probably their best bet if they want to get butts in the seats, if they want to give an op- get an opportunity to win a football game, and you know potentially John Fox saving his job. I mean, here I, we we only have a few minutes left, but I mean they start zero and five, one and six. If they start one and seven, is John Fox going to finish the season? Well, great minds think alike because I'm, I'm glad you brought up this because <laughs> I think, so do ours. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, and I, and I think that, oh man, I, I, I don't think John Fox just going off the trends of what happened, what's happened with the Bears over the last few years. I don't think, or sorry, over the last few decades, more the point, I don't think that John Fox is going to get fired midseason, regardless of how bad they start out. I think, I mean, you can kind of look at, the Mark Trestman era is, you know, even if you're not really looking at the the record, but just the the amount of things that happened, it's like you would think if if they were going to make you know make a move, even if it was ownership pushing for it, uh, it would have been there. So I don't think he's going to be gone mid season. But I'll tell you what, I I just man, it is really really hard for me to sit here and listen to him week in and week out, week in and week out, say the same crap, insult the insult the intelligence of the fan base because that's exactly what he's doing, and put this crap product on the field. I mean, it's it's really getting to the point where I, I, I sit here and I look at it, and I wonder, it's like, how does John Fox keep his job? Because you got to think, Ryan Pace right now is safe. He just, you know... He just took a right, quarterback. No, 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 no. But see, I want that's the point I want to bring up. I don't know how safe Ryan Pace is. Why why does everybody think everybody think Ryan like, yeah, you got your franchise quarterback, but they didn't have any qualms about getting rid of Phil Emery when when the you know, everything went downhill with Mark Tressman. And you know what Phil Emery didn't have? Three straight top ten picks in the draft, none of whom have done anything for the team. So I'm not so sure, man. I think there's I think the seats are getting hot for everybody. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to enter you but I, I don't i don't know man i think i think everybody's jobs is are at stake at this point and maybe they are i i, I think and this is just 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 my take i think that ryan pace is coming to a critical moment where uh i i think he's gonna have to make a decision because you, you've got john fox going into his contract year this next year usually head coaches don't go into contract years uh because you know it's a lame duck situation which quite frankly you could kind of labels this last year too but i i just have a hard time believing that 
he's going to sit by and watch things go on. And the re- the main reason I think that Ryan Pace is going to get another head coach, I don't think he's going to get you know another four or five years of another head coach, but the main reason I think he will get a shot to hire a new head coach at the end of this year, I, and maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm completely off base, but man, it just seems like John Fox has checked out. I mean, it just, I don't know what it is. He just seems disinterested. And, and this is just my personal opinion. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying that this is what's going on. So I don't want anybody to misconstrue this. But I almost, some of his decision making to this point in time, and especially with the way that he has dealt with Mitch Trubisky, when you can obviously see what the other coaches, especially Dow Loggins, are thinking. To me, I feel like there's almost this – it's almost like he's trying to sabotage the season or sabotage whatever it is. And and this isn't just something I've thought out of nowhere because I've talked to Carolina Panthers fans and Denver fans, Carolina fans especially. When he left Carolina, there was a lot of talk about him basically just phoning it in and doing whatever he wanted to do against you know the general manager's wishes and everything else. So that's my main concern right now. And quite frankly, the way he's he's acted and the way he's dealt with things so far, it's almost kind of like a big F you. It just that's just the way I feel. But I, I I feel like either he's going to get fired at the end of the year, which I think is more likely, or I think he's going to end up resigning or doing whatever. But I just there's no way he's going to be coaching this team in 2018. There's just no way. Yeah, no chance. I agree with you. I, 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 and I think that's sad because you are a fan, and for for you to feel like that he's saying f you, um, I think that's sad. And I, I don't think you're the only one, the only Bears fan that feels that way. Um, and for it to have gotten that point for a head coach in his third year to have. Uh, you know, to to have alienated the fan base in such a manner, and to be a, so. Do you realize that if he loses the next two games, he's going to have the worst uh, win percentage in the history of the franchise? Do you realize that? No, I didn't. But that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He two more two more losses, and you know, who knows? He could. He, you know, they might have a good second half of the season. He might uh, salvage. You know, the the second worst uh, win percentage. But yeah, two two straight losses here. He's going to have the worst win percentage in the history of the the, the oldest franchise in the NFL. I, I, folks, that's about it. I don't know what else we can say about John Fox. Um, I, I, I guess my question is, is Ryan Pace going to be gone with him too? We'll talk about that uh, more in these upcoming podcasts as we are out of time for this first week three podcast. Remember, we will have another podcast uh, later this week, probably uh, either Thursday night or Friday morning. We will post it. But again, we're, we're on the two-week podcast two podcasts per week schedule uh and uh this is great i'm enjoying it because we're able to really get into these uh uh post game uh reviews uh that's it so be sure to follow aaron on twitter at aaron lemming nfl give me a follow at bear report you can see all our content at bearreport.com as well as our bear report facebook page if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast on itunes you can come talk to us every day at the bearreport.com message boards that's it guys have a great week and we will talk to you thursday The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.